This is a Lawful Stupid RPG production. Hail and well met, and welcome to Dragonlance Echoes of Kryn, Dragons of the Hidden Flood, a D&D podcast presented by Lawful Stupid RPG. This podcast is an actual game of 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons, played by a group of friends, professional performers, and voice actors with a passion for role-playing, improvisational storytelling, and dice rolling. We'll begin in just a moment, but first, our players. Hello, I'm Jade, and I'm one of the founders of Lawful Stupid RPG. I've been a huge Dragonlance fan since the beginning, and producing this podcast has been a dream come true for me. I will be playing the dwarf of the party named Farin, and I hope the stories we tell sparkle in your hearts like the brightest gems Ryok's ever dreamed of. I am Panda. I am a Twitch streamer who goes by the username Cirque Panda, And I'm playing Tealy Tumblewood, your resident kender who will try only a little bit not to annoy you. Howdy, my name is Samus. I am a professional opera singer and I am playing the mysterious and slightly grumpy one-armed archer who calls himself Onweir. Hello, I am Chael, and I am not an opera singer, and I will be playing Blip with her awesome animal companion, Dinner, the amazing barbarian duo. Greetings, I'm Chops. I'm a Vegas showman as well as a ghost hunter, and I'll be playing Lassa, a half-elven wizard who will prove his worth to the world. Hello, I am Lindsay Rousseau. I am a voice actor and host of the rollout on YouTube. And I am playing Manto Bubulina, who has a dark secret that only my best friend Blip knows. And I'm Mr. Eager DM. I'm here to guide and to follow. Now, I invite you all to step with me into fantasy. And for our time together, let imagination rule. Last time, the battle continued as the adventurers sought to defend Crown Prince Jarvan from assassins. In the last moments of combat, Tilly the Kender was struck down and was in danger of succumbing to her wounds. But Farron the Dwarf acted quickly, and summoning the power of his goddess, healed her with miraculous holy light. What does it feel like that I, when I am regaining consciousness, do, does it have a, a feeling effect on the body? Pain that then recedes, and there is a deep sense of rightness that comes over you. There is a debt to be paid, and this power that was put into you is part of fulfilling that debt. Although you have no idea what the context of this feeling is, this is what inexplicably comes over you before it begins to fade into memory like a dream. Farron? It's good to see you alive, girl. Oh, good. I thought I was dead. Why? 
What happened? I was... I reached over and feel where my wound was and feeling it healed a little bit. A perplexed look goes across my face. How... how, what? How long has it been? How many days? (laughs) Baffling indeed, my dear. Um... It's been about ten seconds. I knew it. My mum always said I was special. I knew I had a power, and it's super healing! I do it! (laughs) I, like, raise my arms. I jump up. Yes! I knew it. I knew I was special. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Um... In the middle of this outburst, I will run to you and gently put a finger on your lips. And I will signal quietly that the prince is still in our presence and that we need to leave. Uh, Anything for you. (laughs) I kind of look at you cockeyed for a moment and I look to Tulian. Where do we go? True healer. A miracle. Exactly what is needed in this dark night. Praise the gods. I agree. The gods must have bestowed this power on me. I am truly one of a kind. Miss Teely Tumblewood, it's nice to meet you. The miracle will have to be discussed later. We must hurry. Tulian looks at each of you in turn. Recognizing Lhasa, recognizing Anwir, looks with a strange, almost odd look at Farron, but then looks towards you, Manto, and Blip, and his expression hardens. Who are you? My lord, we were... Well, Tilly and I were brought in to be performers in this great production, and... As you can see, it has been interrupted. This is my companion, Blip. There was a minor misunderstanding in the pits yesterday. And, uh, well, we are here now. But I am native to this land. Tulian, I've watched each of them fall, one of the assassins. They pose no threat here. He looks at you, and you see his jaw harden, and then he nods. This is a good opportunity, I think, for each of you to re-describe yourselves. Now that you're all looking at each other for the first time, take into consideration what has just happened so things about your normal costume might have changed, but describe yourselves, paint a picture for each other so that we have a clear sense of who is in this little room below the burning theater. Let us start with Farron. When you look at me, you see a shaved head at the sides and down the middle is a mohawk tied back into a ponytail. I am bare chested with a toga with the symbol of a silver griffin wing around my neck that is now showing where before it was hidden. I have a glorious beard with three neatly tied braids coming down capped with gold beads. Next, we will have Teely. I am a three-foot-tall kender 
with light brown hair tied up into a t- the classic top knot, wearing brightly coloured clothing, really high boots, and just a very thick skirt that, as I move, you can hear all kinds of movements from inside of it. I'm standing pretty proudly, feeling that I am the magical healer the world has ever needed, covered in brightly coloured makeup and jewellery, just very bright and colourful. Unweir. I am standing in my black combat leathers. The half cape that normally covers my left arm has been brushed behind me, and so the stub of my left arm is clearly visible and wrapped in a bandage. My right arm still is gripping the short sword, and my blue eyes are darting back and forth rapidly, awaiting for our meeting to be interrupted by a threat. Now that I've had some time to clean up, my beard is cropped very short. It's rather scraggly, but still looks fairly neat and close to the skin. My dark hair is brushed over my eyes to mask my expression, but I have rather dark features, and I look thoroughly solemn. Blip. I stand a tall, strong, and stocky three and a half foot tall, covered in a fine layer of dust and soot, mud caked everywhere. I've got thick, dark, muddy brown hair with pale, muddy brown eyes. I run my hands over my flower sack dress trying to knock off any traces of the fire from before. And as I do, my hands brush against the various pots and pans that are strapped to my waist. And I reach over with one of my hands and adjust my cloth and various animal hide bracers on my arm. (laughs) They look distinctly like they may be made of rat skin as I tuck a trailing thread that is potentially a rat tail back inside. I just have this image of you taking a rat and just like shoving your hand down its throat until it's worn oh on your... God. <laughs> <laughs> on your... It's a bracer. Look, do you know how cool those teeth would look as decoration? <laughs> I just, I gotta say, I feel bad for anyone if they ever cosplay blip. I don't. <laughs> Yes. I want to see it. <laughs> Lhasa. I stand at five foot seven, looking down the end of my nose at these smaller folk gathered around, Farron and Teely. Fascinating. These magics, although I have practiced some, I have never seen any of its kind. And the look of amazement and, and utter shock is plastered all over my face and I'm held still by the shock of what I have seen unfold before me. My fiery red hair cascading around me, sweat heavy on my brow, bits of ash from the burning cling to me. The green robes with a white trim have managed to stay relatively clean in spite of all of this, but the bindings that I wrap my hands in smeared with the blood and ash of the stage from where I climbed up. 
the various pouches and the large leather-bound book by my side hang silently as I contemplate what exactly is to be done. My eyes fall to the prince, and a glimmer in those green eyes seems to say that something must be done. And last but not least, Manto. I had obviously been dressed up for this production in this fake plate mail, but as the battle ensued, I ripped much of it off, and then I also took quite a bit of damage in this fight, and so most of this has been torn asunder, and underneath it, I am wearing what I normally wear, which is leather jerkin and leather pants. Very practical clothing does provide a little bit of protection, but I look very much like a lower class resident of Gwynedd in that I do have tanner skin. My hair is twisted back into twists and it's cropped off above my shoulders. I have tattoos on my face, but unlike the upper class in Gwynedd, it does not have any sort of symbolism as to rank and position and so forth. It's it's more would identify me as what I was born into, which is working class. And you can tell from my physique that I, and just looking at my hands, that I, I have spent much of my life doing grueling work. But I, like many of the young men in Gwynedd, for some reason, I seem to have very supple facial skin. But for the elves in the party, this might not look like anything unusual. But for others in the party, it might be something that sticks out to you. Wonderful. Tulian stands there, his dark skin with perspiring short hair cut almost all the way down to the skin. A toga on top of the scale mail of the house guard, the imperial guard of Gwynedd, the Ducarians. And still huddled in the corner, wiping off the golden makeup from his face with the side of his red cowl is a boy, looks to be about 13 or 14 years old. He is a bit gangly, but also with dark skin, short black hair. And as he wipes away the makeup, you begin to see that he has no identifying marks or whorls on his face at all. Of course, all of this, all of these descriptions and all of this information, you all take in very quickly as you quickly scan the room, looking at one another, as the danger is not over. Tullian Haxos looks at you all, looks at you, Manto looks at you, Anwir, and grits his jaw and nods. And he says, I am Tullian Haxos. I am a captain of the Imperial Guard, and this is my charge. His Imperial Highness Jarvan Mercardior Reddick VI. We are getting him to safety at all cost. Is that clear? Absolutely. Lead the way. Of course. Just grant me one moment, please. I, I, I move my way towards the prince and I, I say, I hate to disturb you at this moment, but are, are you armored in any way? Or are these simply the robes that you wear for the stage production? There may be something I can do. Uh, I am... I'm not wearing an armor. 
Then, please, if you would do me the honor that I may lay my hands on you, I may bestow. Twillian takes a step forward with his hand on his sword and... He's just a boy. Don't... And Jarvan holds up a hand and says, Is this going to be magic? Yes. Yes, it will. But I promise you, just as my master is taking care of his lordship, I too shall watch over him. Jarvan's eyes are wide and he looks over at Tulian, who looks his lips and looks very nervous. You make a persuasion check for me, Lhasa. Tilly, meanwhile, has stood next to Lhasa and eagerly awaits her turn to speak with Jarvin. All right. Twelve? Twelve. Twillian comes over and, and puts a hand on Jarvin and looks you dead in the eye and he says, if he so much as winces. Yes, yes, of course. If there shall be any pain, my lord, I will be sure to pay the price in full after you are safe, of course. Jarvan looks wide-eyed at you, his mouth trembling a little bit, but his eyes are bright. He is perhaps equal parts scared and excited. With a trembling hand, I reach up and I wipe some of the sweat from my brow and wipe it down the sides of my robes. Place my hands upon the sides of him and close my eyes and speak. O oh, shell and chitin, of stone and bone, please make this flesh your home. And I cast mage armor on him. Wow. A glow and a distortion of power begins to ripple right around the edge of his body. Tulian withdraws his hand with a gasp, and Jarvan looks down at his hands. <sighs> Magic. Yes, yes, my lord it will grant you protection. This is as good as any hide or leather you might find. I, I guarantee it. Jarvid is quite amazed and distracted. Has not noticed you there yet, Teely. I begin picking at my nails. Oh, Jarvan. Yes, that's all well and good, but if you get hit, who's going to heal you? Well, it would have to be me, and I recall we had a little interaction earlier that either yourself or one of the other six of the Jarvins has my liar. So do you want to give it back and have some healing from me if things go south? Jarvin looks at you, his mouth opens and then closes with a snap, and you see a look of confusion, recognition, and then... His eyes narrow as he stands up straight and says, I am the prince. I have no need to give anything back when it's taken from a criminal. My lord, it might behoove you, though, to provide us, return to us, I might say, the tools which we need in order to secure your protection. As you can see, we are using these castaway items from the assassins who were trying to kill you, who we stopped. But all of us have had our weapons taken from us, and it is very hard to ensure your safety if we cannot be adequately provided for. And that includes this young Kender's 
liar. Yeah, that's true. It's very true. I've I've got this log sword and I hold it up and it slips out of my hand clumsily and clatters on the floor and I pick it back up again. Seeing everyone brandish their weapons, I glance around and then grab my table leg and hold it aloft and wave it around. <laughs> I growl underneath my breath and I look at Tulian. We're wasting time. Quite. He nods and says, You make a good point about weapons, but I can't imagine what we could possibly find in the theater. Maybe we'll find something as we leave, but until then, I suggest you make do with what you have. I'm afraid we don't have time to go looking around for instruments. He looks at you all and says, The Emperor is likely to be extremely grateful to anyone who keeps his only son safe during this cowardly attack. He spits on the ground. So, if the allegiance due to a sovereign of this land is not enough to inspire you, then keep that in mind. Now, shall we? Let's. Does Tulian lead the way out of the underground? He does. He goes over to the door that he was listening to before and motions for everybody to be quiet once again. Would you like us to lead? He nods and opens the door very slowly. What do the rest of you do? Can I make another perception check as he opens the door to see if I can hear anything with everything quiet? You can. Can I do the same? Sure. 16, much better. And while they do that, can I have a look and see if anyone has a dagger? <laughs> <laughs> Tulian appears to have a dagger at his belt. Great. I do too, if you'd rather steal from me. No, that was taken as well. Oh, that's right. Ah. Yeah, all of our equipment was taken from us. All of our stuff is taken. Yep. Yeah, we just have what we got from the assassins. And my shield. I am going to attempt to swap my short sword with a... Actually, no. I'm not gonna. <laughs> it's probably a good idea. I do have your hoopak, though, Teely. I would like that back. <laughs> And now that I see Teely awaken and knowing that we are going forth towards further danger. Here, my friend, you seem to know how to operate this thing best. I think it is safest in your hands. And I will hand you back your hoopak. As I go reaching for Tulian's dagger, I'm interrupted. <laughs> and, oh, yeah, thank you. I turn and take the hoopak instead. <laughs> All right. And with that, Tulian steps out into the room. Uh, into the corridor, I should say, outside the door. Directly across from where you are is another door leading into some other chamber. And there is a hallway that goes to the north and a hallway that goes to the south. As he opens the door, Anwir with a 16 listening to the door, just as he opens it to the point where it's impossible to not to be noticed, you hear the sounds of movement coming from the south. Can I pull him back from the doorway? Uh, you can try. Sure. Make just a general dexterity check. Okay. And it's not like an aggressive pull. It's more just like a tug. Uh, it's a 10. A 10. So you reach out and you make contact with him, but it's just got a little bit too much forward momentum as he steps out and you hear a voice. Well, 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 right into my lap. Is the boy there too, fancy lord? Tulian draws his sword and faces to the south, as we will roll initiative. 
We love a good six on initiative. <laughs> I also rolled a six. What's my modifier? Okay, two. That's an eight for me. I told you that 20 at the beginning of the game was going to ruin it for the rest of the game. Tulian rolled a two. Seven. <laughs> wow, we got some great initiatives this round. I rolled a 32. Wow. I'm sorry? <laughs> is that is that a real thing? She rolled no. so high, she rolled right out of the game. <laughs> Amazing. Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that came out harder than it meant. What did you roll? A seven. A it's seven. okay. That's, that's what I deserved. <laughs> Nobody rolled well this turn, just so everybody knows, because at the... Well, I did very well with a 15 minus one to a 14. Oh, yeah, okay, that's pretty good. Just rub it in, Jade. I see everybody's initiatives, so we will begin the combat. Anwir, you're at the very top. Tulian draws his sword, looks to the south, and stands grimly. Does Tulian look like he's going to make a motion to attack, or is he in a pose of defense and protection? It's difficult to determine. This is the very first moment of this combat. He is a man of action. His weapon is drawn. You don't know if he is going to charge, or if he's going to defend, or if he's going to try and get to the other door. You have no way of knowing. This is the very first instant of combat. You don't know him well enough to read him. Standing just at the entrance to the door, I'm going to press my back against the wall, just on the inside of the door, and I am going to hide. Please roll a stealth check for me. Wow. This this curse, I, Sean, I, I feel like you have cursed my dice. Um, <laughs> Why would I do that? I have a nine for stealth, but I am holding an action to strike the next person that comes within range. What are you using as a weapon? I still have my short sword. So the next person who comes in range of you, you will strike. Uh, yeah, the next, <laughs> the next not nice person. Got it. Just to be clear. <laughs> no, yeah, okay. I, that specific, you don't need to get. Okay. Well, but... you know, just in case, I. <laughs> All right. I trust you, but I don't trust you. <laughs> Farron, you're next. I walk through the door and follow Tulian, and look to the assassins. So you see two that are similar to the ones you've been fighting upstairs, but then you see one that is slightly taller. His black cloak is over large silver pauldrons on his shoulders, and he has a grinning face and a dark, scraggly black beard. His skin is fair. He is not Urgothian. I look to the assassins and hold my holy symbol. Oh, silver master guide my words. You there, drop your weapons and throw them against the wall behind you, now! And a pulse go out and I will attempt to charm them. So is this the spell charm? Nope. What is it? This is Order's Demand, my channel divinity. My goodness, what is the range? Anyone who can see or hear me within 30 foot. All right, fantastic. And what am I rolling to resist this? Order's mm -mm. demand is a wisdom saving throw, DC 13. All right, so the first one has rolled a natural 20. So that is the leader has rolled a natural 20 to succeed. The ones behind him, one rolls a seven, the other one rolls a four. Yes. 
as they do exactly what you say. They waver for a moment as the light emanates from you and they raise their weapons and cast them behind them. They are both holding short swords. They clatter to the ground against the wall behind them. Looking, you can see the room that they were in has a few chairs and tables in it. Looks like a sitting room, a resting room, a place for actors or musicians to store their equipment and take a break. And that will last until the end of my next turn, or if they take damage. Okay, good to know. If they take damage, it breaks. I, I step further away. That's me done. Oh, you step back away. Okay. The leader shakes his head as this light, and he hides his face from it. He says, ah, ah, one of them tricky boys, are you? Adam, lads. And he runs forward to engage with you, Farron. He comes up, and as he does, he brings up a scimitar in one hand and a dagger in the other. He attacks 14. Hits. Three points of slashing. Attacks again with his dagger. Hitting AC 6. Misses. That is him done. Bringing us to Manto. I am going to run in and assist this person who I just saw do weird magical stuff. The dwarf Farron, you mean? Yes, the dwarf Farron. And I am still not liking not having my equipment because that was a <sighs> seven to hit. Afraid a seven doesn't hit. Yes, I was assuming that that was not going to hit. I have not done this yet, but would you allow me to use my shield as a bonus action? Explain. Shove. So you can't make a shove attack with a bonus action unless you have the feat for it. Shield mastery. Yeah. Right. Okay. Sorry. I will be taking said feet soon, so. Fair enough. This is an FYI. Yeah, that's my turn. All right. Brings us to Blip. I will look around confused and realizing that Manto has dashed off without me. I will charge after him. And... Seeing this guy attacking Manto, I will become very upset and Manto, I save you. I will attempt to rush between his legs and pop up and punch the enemy. Are you a small or a tiny creature, Blip? I believe you are small. I'm small. I love this imagery. So the surprise of suddenly having the gully dwarf suddenly appear underneath the assailant who just missed him uh, I'm going to say offsets the disadvantage that you have from attacking from a squeezing position. If in fact you are attacking from Manto's exact position, then that does give you disadvantage. Yes. But I'm going to let it even out because of the surprise. Go for it. Yes. That will be an... Will that be my unarmed strike? It will. Not if you're using the club. You're armed. Okay, I will use my table leg. That is a 15 to hit. As you bring the table leg down on his knee, he uses his reaction to parry and brings his short sword down and knocks it away, Aww. increasing his AC to the point where that 15 does not hit. 
Damn. Okay. I only get one attack per turn. So I am going to use this time to, uh, as my bonus action, rage. Okay. Grr. That is going to infuriate me, and I am going to scream in rage <laughs> with my little blood vessel next to my eye pulsing wildly. <laughs> Anything else from you, Blip? That is it. Lhasa. So I have an interesting question. Uh, would it be possible to delay my turn until after the prince? You can hold an action. Hmm. It's impossible to change your initiative order in this rule system, but you can hold an action, uh, which then becomes your reaction. All right. If you are holding a spell, then that then means that you are concentrating. And if you don't end up using that spell for whatever reason, the trigger doesn't go off, then you've lost the spell slot. All right. Well, then I'm going to take a step and then I will hold action with a prepared firebolt and I will be waiting for somebody to enter this room who is opposing us. Holding an action for someone to enter the room. Got it. That's going to bring us to Teely. I charge towards the door to finally actually get a look at what we're facing. All right. And I run behind Farron, and I begin to reload my hoopak that Manto gave me. But as I realize, as I go to put another rock inside the sling, I realize I'm still holding the short sword. And if I may, I would like to drop it and kick it over towards Manto. All right, you do so. And as you do, you notice that coming down the hall are two other of these assassins that you've seen. You see, they're just now entering into the hall or they will be on their turn, I should say. They are coming around the corner from behind you and you see them coming. Okay. And <laughs> I turn my attention to them instead as no one is being a human shield for me. Um, and I will attempt to use my sling at them. That is a 16 to hit. That's a hit. Perfect. We love that for me. I have a whole whole box of dice and I can't see my d4. What is this? Here we go. Uh, that is six damage. Okay, yes. Another stone goes streaking out, striking the one on your right at the end of the hall just as he comes around the corner. Bloody! And he begins to advance upon you. Anything else, Teely? We got some people behind us. And that is the end of my turn. Very good. Brings us to the assassins. Two assassins in the room to the south are charmed and they stand looking concernedly at what's going on. They both hesitantly move their hands to their bows and arrows, but then get a little stuck around the way and they spend their turn shaking their head, not quite knowing what to do torn between the compulsion to be friendly to Farron and to obey his command, but also knowing that their leader is probably going to hurt them if they don't do something about all of these people, but they spend their turn dealing with that. To the north, the other assassins come running out. 
Neither one of them have the speed to get all the way to you, Tealy. So they use the dash action. One moves past you, Tealy, but not so far past that it incurs an attack of opportunity. So it flanks Tulian. The one that you struck with the Hupak bolt comes running at you with a short sword and says, Come here, you little filth. <laughs> Oops. Either one of them can take an attack this turn. Gonna bring us to Tulian. He gestures to the door to the east, says, that way, I think. And he brings his sword down on the fellow who attacked Farron. Ooh, he has a critical hit nice. as his eyes blaze, his nose flares, and he brings his sword down with all of his might. Let's see here. <laughs> Unfortunately, he didn't do very good damage on that. Well, he gets to roll again, doesn't he? Because it's a critical hit. Wow. Well, that's technically better. He rolled a total of three on the dice, adding to that a plus four. So that is a total of seven points of damage from that critical hit. Sure would have been nice if it had been better than that. Oh, well. Anweer, it is your turn. Back to the top of the order. All right. Sensing that I am not particularly well hidden, I would like to try to re-stealth myself on the other side of the doorway. Okay. And... That will break a line of sight to hide. Much better hide roll. Oh, finally. My goodness. A 24 to hide. And then immediately I will pop out and attack with my short sword. Oh, that's much better. Terrible sneak attack damage, but I've hit with a 20. Okay. So you jump out from hiding, and your damage is? Seven damage. Seven damage. He gasps in surprise as you jump forward and slice him. Baron. Okay. I look to the two assassins that I charmed that have just pulled their bows out. You two over there, throw me their bows. And I will attempt to stab with this clumsy longsword that I have. Okay. Does your divine power continue on? They're still charmed? They're still charmed by me until the end, end of my go. All right. Uh, I rolled a 13 plus only three. 16 to hit. 16 to hit. And that's a D8 plus three. Uh, six damage. And I will then... No, I'll stay there. All right. It is now the fellow who spoke in the first place. He grits his teeth as he looks at all of you and looks around the corner to see where Jarvan is huddling with Lhasa and snarls and says, Maybe we can come to a deal, eh? Just hand him over. There's a lot more of us than there are of you. <laughs> Maybe not at the moment, but... You know what's good for you. Just walk away. As he says this, he is still fighting and attempts to slice at Farron again. Once with the scimitar, hitting AC 17. It's nine points of slashing damage. Then he tries to hit you with his dagger, hitting AC 19. It's six points of piercing damage. I'm down. Farron, you drop to the ground, unconscious and dying. What do we do? <laughs> That's going to bring us to Manto. 
I am obviously very concerned by seeing this dwarf just fall and suspecting that he is the one responsible for the healing and not our little kender friend. I am going to furiously swipe again. The main leader of the assassins is who I am swiping at. So that is going to be an 18 to hit. That is a hit and he cannot parry it. Great. I am also going to spend a superiority die and attempt a trip attack. Okay. When you hit with a weapon attack, add the total to the damage roll, and then the person must make a strength saving throw. So that is going to be 10 points of damage. 10 points of damage, okay. And then I need you to make a strength saving throw DC 12. Strength saving throw DC 12. I have rolled an eight. Great, you are now prone. All right, so describe this for me, Manto. Great, so I have been perhaps trying to fight too professionally. I am now resorting back into my ways as when I fight in the ring and I'm now playing dirty. So when I go in for this swipe against him, I am slashing across his chest and he does not realize that as I am slashing his chest, I am wrapping my leg behind his and then I leverage him over my leg and shove him to the ground. Very nice. He falls with a grunt. Anything else, Manto? Since he is now prone, I will please step back out of melee range because I'm kind of boxed in here, so I guess this is probably the only place I can go, right? You can take a step back. You can move through your ally's space if you wish. Oh, okay, that's right, I can do that. You can't move through an enemy's space. So you, if you want to go back into the room, you can. Um, no, I'm just gonna back away here. I think here is good. Five feet step away from the lead assassin and I am flanked by Onweir and then also surrounded by Blip and our, our lovely prince. Blip, it is your turn. All right, I am going to stomp my foot in absolute fury and grab my amazing wooden table leg with both hands, squeeze it as hard as I can with my muscles bulging, and I'm going to charge forward and bring my table leg crashing down onto his head. All right, you have advantage on this attack because he is prone. Yes. All right, that is a 17. That is a hit, but go ahead and crit fish. <laughs> Two seventeens. Two seventeens. He cannot use his reaction to Aerie. It only gets him to AC 16. Yes. So 17 hits. Amazing. I bring that table leg down with all of the force I can muster. So that will make my total of six damage. Total of six damage. As I bludgeon him senseless. The table leg does come down smack right on his face. He grunts in pain as blood begins to spurt from his nose. Lhasa. I take a moment to move forward along the sidewall so that I can get a better view in through this doorway at this press of bodies inside. Jarvan stays with you. However, it seems that from my position, it would not be very easy to throw any magics inside without risking my allies. And so I will again prepare and wait. Alrighty. 
That brings us to Teely. Okay, so the assassin that I am face to face with, I am going to hold my hoopak both handed and just reflexively try and bonk him on the head blip style. And <laughs> go for it. That is a three to hit. <laughs> Oh, no. And it would have been max damage as well. I'm so mad. I'm afraid a three does not hit. <laughs> no. Okay. I just... <laughs> I'm sorry to do this. I just say, I could really use a hand here. And I give Bardic Inspiration to Anwia. <laughs> nice. No, just to be... Just to, just to be sure... Um, Lhasa would have a line of sight, despite the fact that we are in between him. Is that correct? It's true. With a ranged spell attack, it would be a disadvantage because he's prone, but you would still have a shot, Lhasa. You have to worry about shooting through enemies, but not allies. Uh, my concern is shooting through my allies at a disadvantage could cause some problems, but... I'm willing to bet you have better aim than that. Fair enough, in which case, I suppose it would be wrong of me to not try and hit the man who's on the ground. Never trust the DM. So is that disadvantage because he is prone, but go for it anyway? Well, two 16s on die says yes. And he cannot parry a ranged attack, so both of those hit. Uh, only two damage, however. Only two damage. <laughs> Nickelin and diming him. It is now the assassin's turn. The ones to the south shake their heads in confusion as the effects of Farron's holy power wear off. They look towards their leader, who lies prone. Ganter, you are right. Uh, no names, idiot. Keep fighting. He'll kill us all if we don't bring him the prince. The assassins draw their bows and fire. One at you, Blip. Ooh, hitting AC 19. I believe that is a hit. That is a hit. So, you take five points of piercing, reduced to two thanks to your rage. The other one fires at Tulian. He has missed with a 10. To the north, the one attacking you, Teely, balances for a moment as if he's contemplating trying to run around you, but then he suddenly lashes out with his short sword. But he misses with a seven. Oh, thank goodness. The other one to the north attacks Tulian with a short sword, and there's a, a hiss of pain as a long wound opens up on his forearm as he's been hit with a 17, doing seven points of slashing. That is going to bring us to his turn. Tulian looks at the wound on his arm and at the unconscious form of Farron and back at Jarvan as a grim expression crosses his face. He reaches down and begins to drag Farron's unconscious body away from danger, bracing himself for the opportunity attack, which misses with an 11. Lucky, lucky. He drags Farron across the hall to the other door and uses his action to kick it open, blasts open, revealing a very large room behind it. He moves Farron into the room and then stands aside, motioning towards you and the prince, Lhasa. He wants you to follow him across from where you are, across the hall to this other room. That is Tulid's turn, which brings us to Anwir. Well, that changes what I'm going to do. 
I'm going to step forward at the fallen figure of Gunter, and I am going to stab him with my short sword at advantage. Ooh, you have advantage. Yes, indeed. Yes. Ho, 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 ho. <laughs> An 18. An 18, which he cannot parry. And because he is engaged with other individuals, that is 13 points of piercing damage. How do you kill Ganter? After hearing his threat, seeing him fallen and slightly burned, in an effort to make an example, I step forward and draw my short sword across his neck, spilling his blood and letting it spurt all over his body in an effort to scare the other assassins. Well, it's a gruesome display as Ganter coughs and sputters, choking to death on his own crimson blood. And with my remaining movement, I am actually going to stay put. Well said. Good job. Okay. Farron, I need a death saving throw from you. Dun, 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 dun. Twelve. Farron, as you lie there, your heart desperately beating to keep you alive, what would be a regret of Farron's if he were to expire here and now? The main regret I'd have is not completing my mission that was set out before me by my goddess. Very well. Brings us to Ganter, who is dead. Next up is Manto. I am going to look at these other two assassins, because obviously the leader has now been killed in a most gruesome way, and I am going to shout at them... Yield now, or suffer the same fate. All right. Making an intimidation check, I assume? Yes, please. All right. Roll it. Uh, 15? 15. They look at each other and lick their lips and begin taking steps back, but they still have their bows trained upon you. Oh, so they have bows, not swords. Yeah, they threw their short swords behind them because of Farron's command. Oh, oh, okay. You're you're talking about the two charmed ones. I was talking about the two at the north. Oh. That are actively I fighting. See. Us. So you turn to so the ones to the south are also actively fighting. They are shooting bows. The ones to the north. Oh, are, they are. Oh, okay. Well, then I guess I'm yelling that to everyone. <laughs> to everyone. All right. And they saw me trip Ganter. So yeah. They seem a little shaken, a little less sure of themselves as they steady themselves to continue on with the fight, but your words have had an effect. Okay, but they don't disengage. They do not. Okay, then I am going to hold my ground and look very menacing. All right, blip. After seeing that all of that happen, I am going to spin around in my furied state, and I'm going to glance at Manto. What? What? What I do? Kill them. Ugh. And I'm going to spin back to the assassins directly in front of me, and I'm going to charge. <laughs> right. I gave you a chance. <laughs> she unleashed the bulldog. Rawr, 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 rawr. And as I approach, I am going to attempt to leap into the air with my amazing table leg club and 
bring it down over their head, <laughs> even though I can't reach their head. <laughs> Excellent. Go for it. Roll your attack. I think Blip's got like small dog syndrome. <laughs> I am not a chihuahua, thank you. Are we sure about that? Oh, Blip. I have a va- Do I have advantage? You don't have an advantage. Dang. Come it. Sorry. A 10 does not hit Blip. I'm going to bounce off their chest. Boink. <laughs> nice. Lhasa. I'm going to begin moving forward, trying to get a look into this room. I want to lead the prince through, but there's quite a lot of danger. Indeed. Being as I'm going first, I think I will draw any attacks of opportunity myself as we rush into the room that uh, Tulian had kicked open for us. Okay. The assassin that is currently engaged with Anwir is the closest one to you as you zip through the battle, passing Manto, passing Tulian, and heading into the room beyond where he has put the unconscious form of Farron. The one fighting Anwir does see you running by and tries to zip out with his short sword to catch you, but he is at disadvantage as he is frightened of Manto for this round. So that is going to be a natural one. Yeah, I did a thing. He has missed his attack of opportunity on you. Since you drew it, Jarvan is able to move through without difficulty and moves to the other side. But as he does, you hear the assassin's gasp. It's him. It's him. That's the one. That's the prince. Get him. Lhasa, you have moved. Do you have an action you wish to do? Unfortunately, my action was to dash, and so I have no other action available. Uh, that is unfortunate. Also, if I may make a slight adjustment and position myself over the top of uh, Farron, thereby blocking the doorway. Sure, absolutely. The unconscious form of the dwarf is still breathing, but you could see two large slashes across his body that look extremely dangerous, not treated soon. The room beyond has a wooden floor, but it is very dark. You can see shadowy forms with your dark vision. Looks like pieces of furniture or statuary, but all of them covered with tarps or canvas sheets to keep the dust off them, you assume. There is a path of sorts moving through the midst of them, and at the far end of it, just at the edge of what you're able to see, you could see the open hatch of what appears to be a drain, some sort of sewer entrance or a ditch. Seems a little odd for it to be here, but that's what it appears to be. As I said, it is open. Now, Teely, your turn. Okay. Teely still gripping the hoopack with both hands, yells to the companion still in the hallway. Okay. The next time we get, we run to that room, okay? And I will make my final hit, or attempt to hit on the assassin with a seven to hit. <laughs> Dear, seven does not hit. I will stand my ground, and once the others retreat into that room, I will join them. Oh, good. This is getting, this is getting tense. All right. It is the assassin's turn. The one that you just missed, Teely, dives out of the way of your hoopack blow and then attempts to retaliate with a short sword blow, hitting AC 18. Man, unfortunate. Yeah, that hits. Wait, wait, wait. 
That 18 does not hit because it is a disadvantage thanks to the fear instilled Ooh. by Manto. I was just gonna ask. Woot woot. Thank goodness. Yes, yeah, so in that case, it missed. Onweir, the one attacking you, also at disadvantage. 12? That is a miss. A miss, my goodness. The assassin that is attacking you, or the one that you missed on your attack, blipped to the south, takes a step back, incurring an attack of opportunity if you wish to take it. Oh, yes. Yes, I do very much so. I'm going to jump forward and I am going to bring my table leg from the ground up right between his knees. (laughs) Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. That is a 20 to hit. Nice. That is a hit. Yes. And three points, but that should be five damage since I am still raging. Got it. He groans. Oh, you smelly little. Ah, and he brings up his bow shakily, attempt to hit you with disadvantage, thanks to Manto's intimidation check earlier. Easy. Hitting AC5. <laughs> nope. The one that is also next to you, the fellow to the side of the one that you just nailed in the crotch. steps around to the corner outside of the view of everyone else to the north and tries to shoot you with his short bow. This one also at disadvantage. That's going to hit with double 19s, though. That does indeed hit. That is seven points of piercing. Don't forget to take half damage thanks to rage. Amazing. And I grunt with the pain, but as I'm still in complete rage mode, I don't notice it too much. All right. Tullian Haxos runs and attacks the assassin that is attacking you, Anwir. As he does, he says, go! And he slashes at him. The AC 23, which is a hit. He does almost max damage on that, which is enough to kill the assassin that is threatening you, Anwir. Very nice. He then steps forward, joining Teely, facing to the north. Brings us to the top of the order with Anwir. Seeing our fallen dwarf, I will run into the room. I will run east into the room where Lhasa is standing over his body. And I will pull my cape and I will try to staunch the bleeding with it, making a medicine check if I can. Absolutely. Roll a medicine check. That is a 19. 19 is a success. You apply pressure. Having seen many such wounds in your life, You apply pressure to these wounds and manage to stop the bleeding as Farron, you are no longer dying. Good to hear. With my bonus action, I will sneak into the corner of the doorframe and I will look to Lhasa and say, you must finish them. They need your strength. Go, I will protect them. I understand. In the back, there's a grating. If you can get to it, perhaps you can get them out. Understood. All right, excellent, Anwir. And I assume that is a stealth check as part of cunning action? Correct. With my stealth, I rolled a 23. You feel pretty stealthy. Well, yay. Farron, the dire situation you found yourself in a few moments ago has changed. What 
does Farron wish he could say to anyone that he has met in the past 24 hours that he might not have had a chance to say? I guess it would be to the Emperor and having not been able to give the gift of a dragon metal dagger as a gift for his son. Very good. Manto, it is your turn. Yes. Okay, so we have now killed yet another assassin. Do the remaining assassins seem like they are going to run away at all or are they continuing to stand their ground? Does not your impression that they're going to run, especially the ones to the south, they appear to be trapped. The one to the north is in a more advantageous position. He could run away, but you don't know that he is. He has Tulian and Tili right there though, correct? Correct. Great. I am going to move towards the assassins at the south where Blip is. And unless they run away from me, I'm going to attack the assassin that is closest to Blip. All right, they do not run away from you and you have a feeling that their momentary fear of you has passed. Okay. No matter, I am going to hit with a 22. You certainly are. This is the one that Blip hit, uh, was unfortunate enough to receive a blow to the crotch earlier, I believe. Uh, yes, so I am assuming he is still doubled over with pain because that is nine points of damage. <laughs> nine points of damage. Well, he managed to straighten up a little bit to loose an arrow which missed. However, yes, nine points of damage will be enough to cave in his skull as he drops dead. With a free action, I will look at the other assassin and yell, you are next. Alrighty. Blip. Hearing Manto's yell, I will turn to the assassin against the wall and I will charge forward, drenched in the sweat of my fury and rage. You smell so good right now. Yes. It's the smell of her people. (laughs) (laughs) It's the smell of sweat and anger and a little bit of mud. Yeah. That is a 12. A 12 is exactly what you needed to roll. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. That is eight points of damage with my wrench. Wow. That is a tremendous blow. He crashes against the wall, stunned for a moment, shakes his head, regains his senses, still standing, but is looking very weak-legged. Anything else, Blip? Uh, No, I will just growl at him and stand my ground. All right, Lhasa. Hearing the words of Anwir, I know that he is right. This is something that I must do. And so I step forward out of the doorway, make eye contact with the assassin, and lean in deep to my hands once more. Sleeping spark of old, awakened cinder. Oh, flame! And I breathe another bolt of fire at this assassin. Very nice. That is going to be a 14. That is a hit. Five damage. Five damage kills this man as he screams in pain, dropping to the ground, wreathed in fire. Please, through the door. We must go quickly. Teely, your opponent has been killed by magic. 
I got a lot of powers today, huh? <laughs> oh, look at me go. No, I'm joking. I turn, and with a glimmer and sparkle of wonder in my eyes, I look at Lassa. Whoa, look at us, we're both getting powers today. And I charge into the room. And as I get to the door, I remember that there was the leader and I grab him and try and also pull him in the room with me. That'll be Ganta. <laughs> okay. You're awful wee. I think I'm going to need a strength check on this. I'm probably going to fail, but you know what? He's probably carrying something pretty cool. <laughs> okay, that is a 14 minus one. So that's 13 strength. Not bad. You are able to move him a few feet. It is not worth the effort as looking at him, he doesn't look like he's got that much on him. Except he does have a dagger in one of his hands. I will take it. It's just what I needed. Thank the gods. And I will grab it and I will take it and it will be my precious. Okay. It's going to bring us to the lone assassin that remains who... Bring it. Uh, hmm. He looks down at you, Blip. It's like, get away, get away. And he brings his <laughs> is it biting me? bow and arrow almost parallel to his body, aiming straight down at you as he's going to try and fire an arrow at you at disadvantage because you are so close. And also, I am glaring right at him, having just yelled at him too, for whatever that's worth. <laughs> well, he rolled a six, so <laughs> it completely misses. And that is his turn. It's Blip's smell. It's her aura. Yes. He's just like very distracted. He takes a deep breath. And, oh, oh, that's vile. Oh, oh, and he just can't deal. That's real. Tulian looks around, looks down the hall at Umanto and says, Inside, I hear more coming. We got to kill that last one. Yeah, he's not dead yet. We cannot leave with this one still breathing. He looks toward the north, readies his sword, shakes his shoulders, and prepares himself for what he hears coming. It's going to bring us to Farron. Farron, roll a d4 for me. D4, you say? I rolled a three. You will awaken naturally from this recent adventure into Slumberland in three hours. Thank you. Anwir, it is your turn. The battle is raging to the south of me. I can't leave Theron's body. So I will do my best. This is not going to go terribly well, but I will do my best to hook Theron's arm around my neck and stand him up as my action. If that is your action, I'm not gonna force you to make a roll for it as you are strong enough, I think, to hold up a dwarf or at least move a dwarf. I will allow you to move at half speed if that is what you wish to do. I will do that, and I will look to the prince and say, they will follow shortly. Come with me. And I will move with Farron's body 15 feet in. I would have dropped that longsword, by the way. It would be on the floor. That's fine. We don't need it. <laughs> I could think of someone who might want it. I have one arm, so, you know, what do you want from me, bud? <laughs> Farron and Anwir move into the room going towards the grate. Although I will say, Anwir, as you enter the room, the light from outside does show you the path, but it is very dark. There's no light source in here other than the light streaming from the door. Just so you know, I would not move without the prince. Prince does come with you. 
Manto. How is this assassin looking that just tried to shoot Blip? You could see the isolate in his mask. You could see the dark makeup that is surrounding his eyes, but you see the whites of his eyes. They are wide. He's frightened. Okay. I am going to shoot at him with my short bow. All right. So you drop your short sword, equip your short bow, pull out an arrow. Well, I'm sheathing my short sword, not dropping it, but yes. So believe it or not, by the rules of D&D, sheathing and then taking out another item count as two separate interact with objects. So you can drop and pull something out. Oh, okay. And then I can pick up. So basically what would happen is you drop, pull out, use if you want to get the short sword again, you drop the bow and pick up the short sword for free. Okay, gotcha. Can I do two free actions in the same turn though? You cannot. Uh, if, if that is, you can use a free action and then the second free action, we come to some arrangement, maybe call it your bonus action, part of your movement, but you get a f one free action per round. Or I should say one interact with object for free per round. Great. Okay, so I'm going to shoot at him and that is going to be 15 to hit. That is a hit. All right. Six plus two is eight damage. The arrow streaks across the room, passing right over Blip's head, burying itself deep within the man's heart. He drops to the ground dead. Great. Then I will bonus action. There you go. Pick my sword back up. And I will move 30 feet th to this door now. And I will shout, Blip, now we've run to the door. Now all of you can hear the sound of more footsteps coming from the north. Each of you in your turn and in your own time can enter into the other room. As each of you step in, you can see shapes of shadow in each corner, some large, some small, most of them, if not all, covered with these tarps. You also hear a rumbling sound from above. It's somewhat distant. Hard to tell if it's thunder or something else. Blip, you have entered in, correct? Yes, I have. All right, Tulian enters in as well and the group begins to make its way across the room. Lip, you recognize this room. This is the room that you first entered when you came up from the sewer. Those of you who have a bit more perceptive awareness of your surroundings, based on where you came down to this level and now where you've moved, you think that you might be underneath the audience. As you move across the room, a figure emerges from the grate. Stepping up slowly, putting one hand on the floor, leaping up, landing in front of you all. He is wearing... It's dinner. <laughs> it's dinner. <laughs> he is wearing gruesome-looking plate mail, but he's moving incredibly fluidly for wearing it. His skin is exceptionally pale. His hair is gray and slicked back. He has a large scar on the right side of his face, and he is smiling cruelly as he comes forward. What is your passive investigation, Anwir? Passive investigation is 18. Good Lord. Well, so even despite the fact that it is dark, which takes a little off of that check, you look and you can see as he steps forward, he moves past part of the furniture that you see here and hanging behind him moving as he moves is a black cape. 
and he passes one of these pieces of furniture and you look and you see the cape does not move as if it's flowing over a piece of furniture. It stays perfectly attached to his body, passing through the furniture without so much as a ripple. That is enough to clue you into the fact this is an illusion. As soon as you become aware of that fact, you can see a dark greenish hue begin to form on his steel armor. Or is it bronze? Or is it bronze scales? As the form manifests beneath the shell of the illusion of a Bozak Draconian. He steps forward. I think you have something that belongs to me. By what right? <laughs> By this. And he holds up a hand which Anwir you see to be a claw. As he is about to cast a spell, there's a deep grinding sound and a heavy crash from above you. Several of the covered statues topple over as debris from the ceiling rain down around you. Suddenly, the air is filled with smoke and fiery chaos as the ceiling collapses and the entire northern side of the room, right around where the great and this figure is, just disappears under a mass of flaming rubble. Just... <laughs> Looking at it in the brief moments you have, seems to be comprised mostly of the audience seating from the hall above. You grasp onto one another and pull desperately, reaching for whatever exit and safety you can find. With an explosion of rubble, you watch in amazed horror as, with a cacophonous clanging sound, the massive metal spire from atop the theater, from atop the theater spire, suddenly plunges through the ceiling having plummeted down a hundred feet. It splits the timbers of the wooden floor in front of you like a gigantic axe. As more debris, marble flagstones, stone columns, and just pandemonium cascade down. With a horrendous roar, your footing drops from beneath you, revealing a cavernous void. The last sensation you feel before what will certainly be your death. Is that a falling? That brings us to the end of this episode. We hope you've enjoyed listening to Dragonlance, Echoes of Kryn, Dragons of the Hidden Flood. If you would like to know more about us, please visit our website at lawfulstupidrpg.com. We also invite you to join us for our live streaming games at twitch.tv slash lawfulstupidrpg. Thank you so much for making us a part of your day. Until next time, as Sularus Othmithas. Farewell. This has been a Lawful Stupid RPG production.